Welcome to It's a Good Life, the podcast for entrepreneurs, where it's all about growing yourself and your business. Before we begin, I want to remind you about our ad-free option. Go to It's a Good Life on the Apple Podcast app. You'll see a banner under the logo to remove ads and unlock early access to episodes. It's just five bucks a month, and there's even a free trial. Either way, continue listening to It's a Good Life, and here's our man, Brian Buffini. Well, the top of the morning to you, and welcome to It's a Good Life. Boy, do we have a fun time planned for you today. Long-time friend of mine by the name of John Gordon. John and I met in 2007. He was speaking at one of our conferences, our mastermind summit, I believe, and we just hit it off backstage, and we've become like brothers from a different mother. We've been together many, many times. John's spoken at dozens of our events and many podcasts, and today he has a brand new book coming out, just today, called The One Truth. And uh, I don't know about you, but I've been struggling lately to find some good books. And here's a good one. And here's a good man with a good message. John Gordon, top of the morning to you. It's great to have you back on the show. Brian, great to be with you. You're such a great friend. And I just love the way you lead and just love our, our, our friendship. I have so much respect and admiration for you. Well, it's definitely the pat on the back club uh, for both of us here. We'll be doing that all day. But Let's talk about this. You know, you've written dozens of books. You've become known worldwide for the types of book you write. What led you specifically to write The One Truth? There's always an inspiration for you, and you seem rather fired up about this one in a different way than I've seen in a while. So what's up with The One Truth, and what led you to write it? I am very fired up. This is like nothing I've ever written before. It's a completely different kind of book. When my publisher read it, they said, wow, this is this is like different than all your other books. It's, it's, it's great, but it's just different. I said, yes, I was meant to write this book for this moment, for this time, for what this world is going through, for what people are going through. And I believe that everything in my life, all the books I've written over the years has led me to this time to write this book. Because a few years ago, a good friend of mine started teaching me about high state of mind and low state of mind. And so as I learned that, it made a lot of sense. I started sharing that with athletes. And then last summer, I realized high state of mind and low state of mind all has to do with oneness and separateness. And once I realized that, I'm like, whoa, there's something here. Everything comes down to, am I connected? Am I one? When I feel one, I feel powerful. I feel joy, love, peace. When I'm connected to the creator, which is what we're meant to be, connected to the creator, there's scripture that says nothing could separate you from the love of God. And when you realize you're one with that love, you feel just incredible peace, power, joy. You have clarity. You have focus. When you feel separate, you feel divided. You feel worried. You feel cluttered. You feel anxious. And the root for the Greek word of anxious means to separate and divide. And so when you are anxious, you feel separate. You feel divided. What does fear do? It divides, it separates you. What does love do? Love unites you back to oneness. So once you understand this, everything in the world makes so much more sense. Like teamwork, a team that is divided is weak. A team that is united and connected is powerful and strong. Same thing with our marriages and our relationships. So you can through this, you can look through this one truth lens. And once you do, you start to see the world in a different way. And then life makes more sense. And then you realize, wow, I can approach this world and I can live with more power in this world instead of fear, negativity, and despair. So back up for a sec here because, I mean, 
again, it's common for someone who's immersed in their content and has been teaching and training. You work with all these athletes and teams and high performers. Just go back for a second there to that high state of mind, that low state of mind, if you would, and bring those of us who are new to that journey into the fold a little bit. What does that mean? And what does that mean for performance? It's really cool because last summer I was teaching this to all these NFL coaches, NBA coaches, all these different athletes. And then I spoke to all these different training camps in August, including the Rams and Texas and Miami and Clemson and all these various teams. And they, they got it right away. They're like, wow, this is like so different. This is so unique. And then guys were coming up to me. I never had more people come up to me and want to talk about what I was sharing. It goes like this, Brian. One day you're in traffic and it bothers you. And the next day you're in the same traffic and it doesn't. Is it the traffic that is making you feel a certain way? No, because you'd feel the same way all the time if it was the traffic. It, it has to be 100% for it to be truth. So no, it's not the traffic. What is it? Well, it's never the circumstance. It wasn't the pandemic that was making people feel a certain way. Some people thrived in the pandemic. Other people really struggled with their mental health. So it wasn't that. It's not the circumstance. It's always our state of mind. When your state of mind is low, the circumstance happens and it bothers you and you really struggle. When your state of mind is, is high, same circumstance happens, but you rise above it. You move forward. You're like, all right, let's go. You have kids that are athletes. When they make a mistake and they're in a low state of mind, they start thinking about the mistake and they get in their head. When they're in a high state of mind, they make the mistake and they're like, all right, no big deal. Next play. Let's move on. Let's go. And so high state of mind, low state of mind. What characterizes a low state of mind? A lot of thought, a lot of clutter, a lot of fear, worry, anxiety, and doubt. What characterizes a high state of mind? A lot of clarity, a lot of focus, less thought, more energy, more positivity. And so you feel this like oneness. When, when you're in the zone, you feel like you're connected to everybody and everything, and you feel like you're flowing. When you're in a low state, you feel like you're swimming upstream. It's a struggle. You're climbing uphill. And so there's these states of mind that we all go through. We have these ebbs and flows. But if I do two circles, two circles, one with a thousand dots, one with three dots, and I asked you, which mind will perform at a higher level? You know, the one with a thousand or the three, you would say the three. Less thought, less clutter, high state of mind. So the next question everyone always asks is, okay, how do I get to a high state? And that's what the book is all about. The book is divided into three sections, book one, book two, book three, into one book. And book one is all about high state of mind, how to get to a high state, what brings you to a lower state. And once you understand this, you actually can be like a Jedi in this world and you start to see the world like, all right, I can now really take every thought captive. I could focus more on positive thoughts. I don't allow the negative thoughts to take hold. I raise my state of mind. And now I live more powerfully in this world. And I'm a higher performer in all that I'm doing. If you're in sales, it's key to have a high state of mind. If you're in real estate, it's key to have a high state of mind instead of a low state. I think about the salesperson that gets rejected. If they're in a low state, man, what did I do? And they start thinking, they start to feel insecure. The next sales call, they're all nervous now and anxious. They're in their head and they go down this downward spiral. They're in a high state, they get rejected. All right, I get the next one, let's go. I'll make the next one happen. And they're in a different state and they have a different outcome as a result of that. Right. They're not rotisserizing the rejection in their mind over and over again. And let's just be candid. And when you and I have had lots of off the microphone conversations and we've got lots of buddies who've, we've had think tanks and expressed challenges that we see culturally, what we're, what's going on in the world, what's going on with people's well-being, what's happening with just how predisposed people are towards negativity right now. 
the avalanche of what's going on with the TikTokization of the entire world, right? Everything's six seconds, and it can be entertaining and distracting, or it can be really dark, take you down stuff. And the news spreads fast. You know, I think back to a couple of weeks ago, and the PGA announces this deal with Live Golf. And it was like everywhere, like everything shut down. It was like, my wife was like, was war declared? What happened? I go, no, it's about the PGA Tour and Live Golf. But it was on every news network. There was red alerts on phones. There was buzzes. There was texts. There was tweets. And this, as we all know, and it just exploded on some corporate deal revolving around golf and who's going to be running golf and whatever. People who have no interest in golf. So it just seems to me that the culture, the world, social media, and now we want to speed it up further with AI, is predisposed to this clutter, is predisposed to the thousand dots, is predisposed to overthinking and less action is predisposed to the negativity. If you were to say, and again, we're going to dive into it a little bit further, but what's one way to get out of a low state and what's one way to get into a high state? The key is to know that your negative thoughts are not coming from you. When I speak to people, I say, do your negative thoughts come from you? And they say, yes, of course, they're in my head. But here's the next question. If you believe your negative thoughts come from you, who would ever choose to have a negative thought? Would you ever choose a thought that says you don't have it today? The future is hopeless. You're not smart enough, good looking enough, pretty enough, powerful enough, successful enough. You would never choose those thoughts, but they're always coming in. So you have to realize they're not coming from you. They come from consciousness. No one has ever found a thought inside of a brain. I've asked neuroscientists. They are spiritual thoughts are. When you're dreaming, having a nightmare, are you choosing those thoughts? No. So they're always coming in from this internet cloud of consciousness. The brain is the hardware. It's where the activation happens. So when the negative thought comes in, don't believe the lies that they tell. Negative thoughts lower your state of mind. Let's look at the five Ds. We have doubt. We have distortions, which are lies, negative thoughts that will tell you things about yourself and your future that just aren't true. That leads to discouragement. That's the third D. The fourth D, distractions. You were just talking about that. The phone, the media, social media, the crowd, the noise. Anything could be a distraction that keeps you from being your best. And distractions are the enemy of greatness. And then we got the fifth D. The fifth D is divide. And as I said earlier, what, what anxious means, it means divided and separated. Well, think about it. Those negative thoughts separate you, they divide you, they weaken you, and they make you feel powerless. And that's the whole point of negative thoughts. The goal of those negative thoughts are to weaken you, divide you, and separate you. Why? So you will not live your purpose. You will not live your destiny. You will not take on this world with power. So you will be weak. And once you understand this, okay, these negative thoughts lower state of mind, my state of mind. I've got to take every thought captive. I've got to make sure that I'm starting to feed myself every day with positivity, to uplift myself, to encourage myself. And so you recognize the fact that negative thoughts are doing that. I'm not going to believe the lies, but I can now tune into more of the positive thoughts. You see what I say in the book, which is very revolutionary. No one has ever said this. The brain is an antenna. And once you understand the brain is an antenna, and I was walking one day, by the way, and this came to me, the brain's an antenna. I'm like, what? And I started thinking about the fact that the brain's an antenna. And yes, it is. It's either tuned into 
a positive frequency or a negative frequency. And if you look at life and you look at how the world works in terms of energy, everything is vibrations and frequencies and wavelengths and how we make sense of the world through sound vibrations and, and, and wavelengths and frequencies and pictures and images, all electrical signals that your brain is interpreting to actually see this world. Once you understand that, it makes so much more sense. Also, 86 billion neurons you have in your brain and they all have a receiver and a transmitter. So you have little antennas in your brain. So every day you're tuning into either the positive or the negative. And that's why everything in our existence is positive or negative. So how do we, how do we tune into the positive? Tune, great acronym, tune, T-U-N-E. This is real practical for your listeners. T is trust and truth. So we are going to trust when the doubt comes in. And we're going to speak truth to those lies when they come in. Best advice they ever heard is from Dr. James Gills, the only person on the planet that completes six double Ironman triathlons. That's a double Ironman, which means you do an Ironman, a day later do another one. And the last time he did it, he was 59 years old. <laughs> I can't even swim the length of a pool. And he, he was asked how he did it. He said this, I've learned to talk to myself instead of listen to myself. Instead of listening to all the fear, the doubt, the negativity, he would talk to himself with words of encouragement, speak truth to those lies. And we could do that every single day. He would memorize and recite scripture. That's what fueled him. So tune, trust, and truth. You, unite with love. This is key. Fear sets in, it divides. So what's the antidote to fear? It is the love that unites. So unite with sure, love. Perfect love, Cassie. Right, fear, and I would say yeah. unite with God. I'm, I'm a spiritual person. I'm a person of faith, as you know. The key is to unite with God because you're meant to be connected to your creator. Here's the thing. As you move from oneness to separateness, you actually move from positive to negative. All mental health issues, if you look at them, actually report feelings of feeling alone, isolated, disconnected. And so they feel disconnected from others, from life, and spiritually they feel disconnected. If we can bring those people back to oneness by tuning and uniting with God, you will see they will have more wholeness and more health. That's the future of this work. That's why I'm so driven by it because I know we can help so many people with their mental health by getting them to tune into. There's also the acronym of whole in the book as well, but we don't have time to go into that. But tune is where they could start. They can read the book to get whole and also prayer, P-R-A-Y-E-R, on how to unite more. But the key is to know that perfect love casts out fear. Okay, say I'm an athlete or say I'm in sales, say I'm in real estate and I'm starting to fear the market. I'm fearing the outcome. I'm fearing my future. Interest rates are high. Right, my kids. Recessions coming. Okay, all those thoughts are now coming in and I'm having a lot of negative thoughts and it's bringing me down. I'm feeling hopeless. I'm getting discouraged. And now I want to give up because those five Ds will lead to your demise. In a team, they will lead to a defeat. In a marriage, those five Ds actually lead to divorce. And so we may give up from those five Ds and it leads to those six Ds, which we don't want. We want the seventh D. That is our destiny. So love takes you to your destiny. How? Every day you get up, you say, you know what? I'm going to love my clients. I'm going to love this moment that I have at this time in my life. I'm going to love competing against the competition. If there is competition I'm struggling or battling against, I'm going to love competing day in and day out. I'm going to show up and love this work that I get to do. I'm not going to worry about the outcome. I'm going to love the process, love the moment. The minute you do that, fear dissipates. I was just at Notre Dame. I was there speaking at the Purpose Summit. And it was wild because the team was still there for, for the lacrosse team was about to go to the final four. I called up. Yeah, the, they won. Called up the coach. Texted him. At midnight, it came to me. Maybe they're still here. 
I texted him, hey coach, I said, I'm in town, I'm speaking. I said, we'd love to come over to practice if you're still around. He goes, actually, we have practice tomorrow morning before we leave, come by. Spoke at the conference, ran over there. He asked me to say a few words to the team. They're all on the field. Notre Dame lacrosse, these guys are like huge guys. Like they've got a lot bigger since I played. <laughs> and, and, and I taught them love cast out fear. I said, guys, when you get there, you're going to see the big crowd. You're going to have all these expectations. I said, don't fear anything. Just love the battle. Love the competition. Love that you get to play with each other and just love this moment. Man, they said after the game, I, there's a nice article about it, that that actually was a paradigm shift and a perspective shift for them. And they went there. They were so peaceful. They literally were down three goals in the semifinals. They came back and won in overtime. They were up by like six goals. The other team tied it at 7-7. Seven, seven. Duke tied it. And they wound up pulling it after that. And they asked Coach Corrigan, what was the difference? He said, it was love. It was so cool to read that. I saw that. I yeah. didn't know you were behind it, but I should have known. I understand he's like 35 years, the coach, 37 years. 30, like 30, 35 years. And, and they would say that in past games, they had several times that they could have won a national championship and they just couldn't pull it off. And this was the moment. I really believe it was a divine appointment to go there at that moment to share that message that when you love it, you won't fear it. It doesn't just work in sports. It works in sales. It works in life. So that's like my greatest performance tool. And that has been a game changer for professional athletes, college athletes, because we all get in our head and we allow fear to set in. The negative thoughts set in. We think those negative thoughts are for us. Now we're beating ourselves up. We're thinking something's wrong. Something's broken. And then we feel shame and guilt for having the negative thoughts in the first place. And now we're losing the battle. And the answer is no, I'm going to tune. I'm going to unite. Then there's N. I'm going to neutralize the negativity. So I'm not going to allow the negativity to bring me down. I'm going to make sure I E, elevate my thinking. That's the last part of tune. I'm going to elevate my thinking, optimism, belief. Brian, I got to tell you the story because we both know our wives are amazing women and your, your, your wife was an Olympic athlete. Okay. So, so my wife a few months ago is complaining that she's getting old, that she's sore all the time. She's not like she used to be. She'll never get that way or be that way again. And she's complaining, complaining, complaining. I say, Hey, what's going on here? I go away to a speaking engagement. I'm gone for, for two days. I come back and I have to admit, I was actually glad to be gone those two days. <laughs> I, I come back and she's like a different person. She is all energized. She is feeling great. She is feeling like happy, bouncing off the walls. I'm like, what is going on here? Did you get a, did you get a boyfriend yeah, or something? Like, what is happening? Goes, well, no, no, I, I, was, I was talking to the health coach and they did the testing, DNA testing, gene testing, blood testing. It's very intensive. And they say, you know, this is something really rare. We don't see this often. You have the genes of an Olympic athlete is what they told her. <laughs> so now she's walking around the house going, I am an Olympic athlete. You know I'm an Olympic athlete. She goes, I always could have been a great one. If I would have had great parents, I knew I could have been an Olympic athlete. She said it all the time. Oh, that's great. You got to get the tune. Every time she opens the front door, she dun, 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 dun. get the whole John Williams anthem playing. That'd be great. <laughs> I kid you not, the soreness went away. The pain went away. Now she's elevating her thinking. She's saying, I am an Olympic athlete. I am powerful. What would happen if we all elevated our thinking and started saying, I am a conqueror. I am ready to take on this challenge. I am an overcomer. I am here to make a difference. I am here to make an impact. I am here to serve my clients. 
we start saying I am and we become so much more powerful. That's the work I've been doing all these years. And I realized that's why it has an impact. That's why I made a difference wherever I went because I was getting people to elevate their thinking by feeding the positive. And positivity uplifts you. It encourages you. It unites you. Whereas the negativity brings you down, discourages you, and causes you to want to give up. This is the battle we face. And this is why work is so important. I got a great analogy for you. And it'll, it'll land with my Olympic wife. So I'm playing golf, you know, since I'm 11 years old. I used to be really good at it. And then, you know, didn't play as much, travel a lot. And so lately, Beverly's decided to get into golf. And she's taking lessons and doing this and doing that. So I play with a guy, my friend of mine, and I just hadn't been playing much. And we had a kind of an interesting winter here in, the, in Southern California. It just rained a lot. So I just haven't played a bunch. I go out and this guy's like picking my swing apart. Oh, this and you're doing that and you're over the top here. And so the next thing you know, I'm, I'm just reiterating this. And I go out and play a couple of rounds of golf where I'm like a beginner. Like just like I'm losing balls left and right. I can't get it out of my way. And then what happens is I'm kind of embarrassed. I see I play with my brother and a couple of the old buddies. And now I'm embarrassed. So I find myself pre-telling them how bad this day is going to be. And, you know, can I get a sports psychologist and a cheeseburger at the turn? You know, all these types of things. So I'm on this spiral and my, my scores are escalating up and up and up. And I'm like, I get to the point, I'm like, eh, I don't know. I, I just don't, the golf doesn't do it for me anymore. In the meantime, my wife, the Olympian, she believes she's supposed to be good at whatever she does. She's taking two to three lessons a week. She's practicing so on and so forth. We go out and play. And I'm like, always, you know, I was always not trying to be patronizing, but she's the baby new golfer. I'm 40 years playing, 45 years playing golf. And I'm well, that's right, honey. And this and the other. Next thing you know, bang on the fairway, bang on the green. Boom, she makes a putt. Next one, bang on the fairway, bang on the green, makes two putts. So we play five holes and I'm like five shots behind. And she just says to me, hey, you know what, hon? I'm just trying to score good. You're trying to do something else. And it was like, you know, she launched into this Olympic. She doesn't know what she's supposed to do or what she's not supposed to do. I've taken on somebody else's view of me, somebody else's view of my swing, reiterated that, and turned it into not only bad golf, but bad thinking. And it wasn't until I get this like massive slap where I go, hang on a second here. Because my wife played with me when I shoot level par. And now she's looking at me going, what are you doing out here? I'm whooping you. And so it's like, Sometimes we do need that snap out of it and like go from a low state to a high state. And again, you've laid it all out in the book, what can happen and what are all the different things that somebody can do to go from a low state to a high state. But at the end of the day, it can be quick. You know, it doesn't have to be this, I need to do five years of therapy. You know, people have gotten preconditioned and we brought up anxiety several times today. And I've never heard it defined the way you defined it today. But I think that's the biggest epidemic we have. It's bigger than COVID ever was. It's bigger than anything else that came down from that disease is the state of anxiety in people. You've written this fabulous book. I love the fact it's almost a more scientific approach to what you believed all along. Like when I started hearing about this stuff about the antenna, I was like, you know, I mean, I grew up in the 70s, early 70s, and we had the mouse ears on the television. And my dad had kind of clipped me up and, you know, this, we, had, we had four channels. You had to tune in the aerials, right, to get, to get the TV working, to get the reception right? Well, I think we need to tune in the aerial as well to get the reception right, to go from this low state to high state. What do you would say to the folks here today? Obviously, we want them to go out, get a copy of this book, start practicing it, go from low to high, experience it, get the five Ds out of their life. 
But what what is the one truth, I think, for the folks listening that can really just help them get from one place to the other and live this life that is their destiny with a smile on their face? Yeah, because it's a good life and it can be a good life and we can make it a good life. And you know what? I love what you said. It doesn't have to take a long time. I met with a 16-year-old young man who was suicidal. He was having so much anxiety. He was in the ER two nights before. I knew his mom. I was visiting. I said, let me talk to him. Finally, he agreed to talk to me because he didn't want to talk. He was retreating. He felt disconnected. So we met. I talked to him about the thoughts. Where are they coming from? And then finally, I said, do you have a lot of thoughts in your head? He said, oh, so many. I said, do they bombard you? He said, all the time. I have so much anxiety, so much worry, so much clutter, just so many negative thoughts. Once he understood they were not coming from him, it was a game changer for him because he was beating himself up for having those thoughts. He was going to see a psychologist. He was told, being told he was broken. Something was wrong. Something needs to be fixed. I'm like, nothing's wrong with you. Nothing's broken. You're just having these ebbs and flows of thoughts and you're having a lot of negative thoughts right now. You have to understand <laughs> how thoughts work. After teaching the this to him. It was a game changer. He literally stopped beating himself up, stopped feeling shame and guilt, started speaking the truth to the lies, reached out to him the other day. How you doing? Doing great, Mr. Gordon. High state of mind. The next day, the next day, his parents said, what did you do? He's like a different kid. I said, I just shared the truth with him. I have now shared this with so many people, a minor league hockey player, struggling, fearful, anxious, ready to jump off the roller coaster because he was in a scoring drought. Again, in his head, talk to him about this. I go, what do you have to do now? He goes, I just got to go love playing again and loving the battle and loving competing because that's how I got here in the first place. That kid scored six goals in three games, got called up to the NHL and scored a goal in each one of his two first games. Uh, here I am watching this kid do this and it was so exciting. That is what is possible for all of us, whether you're dealing with suicidal thoughts, negative thoughts, whether you're dealing with performance issues and you want to be better, whether you're in a rut, the truth of the one truth is that it doesn't have to take a long time. Once you see the truth and you know the truth and you understand it and you start to apply it because you do have to every day tune into the positive. And as you start doing that, and I give the prescription of how to in the book, once you do that, you'll see the power it brings in your life. And it's as simple as, again, just from a leadership perspective, we got to say this, the word integrity comes from the word integer which means whole and complete. So a leader with integrity has wholeness and completeness. They have oneness, and that's why they're powerful leaders. If you're a narcissistic leader or a leader with a big ego, you're not a great leader. Why? Because ego stands for edging God out. You actually feel separate, and now you're disconnecting yourself from others and spiritually from God. So you actually feel like you have power, but it's false power. Because it's not connected to something greater. It's connected to yourself. So it's actually very weak. And once you recognize this, and I give so many examples of everyday life, everyday relationships, traffic even, for example, once you see it through this lens, you go, wow, that makes so much sense. And here's the deal. Let's finish with this, Brian. We live in a world where it's actually become normalized to actually be fearful, anxious, worried, and chronically stressed all the time. But we're not meant to go through life that way. It's not normal. I'm saying it's okay to be that way. And I've been there and I've dealt with depression, but it's not normal to be that way. What is normal? We are meant to go through life with power, with peace, with joy, with love, with purpose, with connection, with clarity. And the more we move from disconnection to connection, from separateness to oneness, we will actually start to walk in that power and live the power that, that our creator has for us. 
and we will make such a huge impact in this world. Because that's why we're meant to actually live with power, not for ourselves, but to actually be an, an impactor, a blessing to others. Well, you've been a blessing today, my friend. I feel better. I know that. I, I feel like this is the best half hour I spent in a long time. I know there's hundreds of thousands of people listening who are going to feel the same way. They say the truth will set you free. And this book, The One Truth, might be a great springboard for that. It's out today and wherever great books are sold. He's John Gordon. He is the best, and we love him. And uh, John, thanks for sharing your gift with us and and our audience today. Hey, thanks, Brian. Let people know they can go to getonetruth.com. That's getonetruth.com if they want to get the free action plan, because we're all about, you know, helping people actually make the change. Read it, then do the actions. Thanks for joining us today, bud. Uh, There's a person who's been in my life sharing truth with me. She's 92 years young. She's full of vim and vinegar. I just talked to her on the drive here to the studio today, and uh, she's on fire. And uh, I told her I was going to see John Gordon. She goes, I remember John Gordon at Mastermind. He's a fabulous young man. So there you go. You're a fabulous young man. From uh, Miss Truth herself, Therese Buffini, who has a great word of blessing for all of us as we finish our podcast today. May the road rise up to meet you, and may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields and the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time.